Father, we thank you for your goodness yes. and we thank you for your mercies that endure forever and ever and ever. Yes, Lord. Father, we know it's not enticing words of man's wisdom. So we move away from that and get into your wisdom. So we thank you, Father, for impartations and revelations of your word and of the Holy Ghost that's going to help us in every area of our life. Father, I thank you that we will not walk in darkness, but we will have the light of life yes, and that you'll show us the path and make it bright for us. We'll not wonder which way to go. We'll not wonder what you're doing in this earth. And Father, we declare that we'll be right in the middle of this last day, end time, move of God. Yes, Father, whatever you're doing in this earth, Lord, I ask you, don't let us miss it. Lord, let us be right in the middle of whatever you're doing. Father, we're open to you. Lord, we seek your face. Lord, to take the place that you've given unto us so that we can run this race and see your will and plan accomplished in our lives throughout the body of Christ and throughout the world. And Father, in advance, we'll be careful to give you the glory, honor, and praise for all good things in Jesus' name I pray, amen. amen. You may be seated. The Lord is with us. He's on our side. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Have you been encouraged during these meetings? I've encouraged myself. I have been encouraged. So, we know what God is endeavoring to do in the earth. What God is endeavoring to do is visit us with his glory. We have discovered in the process of seeking the glory and praying about the glory. Remember, October, I believe it was the 30th. Is that what I said? I had it wrote down. October the 30th in Branson, Missouri, under a strong anointing, when I was ministering, I got revelation knowledge. And the Lord said this to me. He said, you're working on the wrong end of your prayer. He said, you're praying for me to send it. He said, it's, that's not the problem. He said, the problem is you need to work on the receiving end where the church can be qualified to receive it. Yeah. And I said, Lord, I didn't see that. I mean, you could have, you know, ideas about something, but it became revelation knowledge. You understand? Revelation knowledge to me at that time. And I realized that there had to be some adjustments made if we're going to have the plan of God. And I told you the story, but I'll, I'll share it again. Is that okay? Yes. About Dad Hagee, remember? And this is what the Lord shared with me when he gave me that revelation. He said, you remember when uh, Brother Hagin, Dad Hagin is who we called him, was praying in the room with a lady that had cancer. There was a handful, four, five, six folks in this little bedroom and she had been given up all hope to live and she was dying of cancer. Uh, medical science could not help her. So they decided they were going to seek God, fast and pray. Uh, other preachers there too, just a handful. And uh, finally, there was what they was doing. They was resting for four hours a day and then praying the rest of the time and they were getting nowhere fast. Have you ever got nowhere fast? Yes, you live in the GTA. So 
<laughs> You're fully acquainted. <laughs> You're fully acquainted <laughs> with that. Others that don't get to live in this wonderful area, they may not understand it. Are those that are watching by, you know, whatever they call that, what do they call it? Live stream. They may not know, but you know. Isn't that right? Yes, sir. You have great revelation. So one evening, actually one late, in early, wee hours of the morning, they was going to take a break and sleep for four hours and get back up and pray again. So Dad Hagen was sleeping on a bed in a bedroom with another pastor. He was sleeping in another bed, of course. <laughs> you have to make this plain today. <laughs> make it plain. And Brother Hagen said to this preacher, he said, you know, he said, I've never prayed anything this long, any, about anything this long without hearing something from God. He said, somewhere we're missing it. And he said, we know it's not on God's end. It's God's will that this lady be healed. He said, I believe that we're missing it on the receiving end. We've been praying, God send it, God send it, God send it. He said, we already know he wants to send it. He said, somewhere we're missing it on the receiving end and we need to change the way we're praying. If what you're doing is not working, you need to change it. And you can ask the Lord. And I believe that he had an unction about that. You understand? I'm not saying an audible voice, but I believe he had an unction. You need to change it. And of course, he yielded to it because he told him, at least if I've prayed this long, I've heard something. Yes, no, she's going to die or she's going to live or something. You know what I mean? I remember, you remember when I was in that senator's house over in the, we have senators and, and you know, in our Congress, we have the House of Representatives and senators, but I was in a senator's house in the United States of America. And I remember I had been praying because these people wanted me to come over with some other preachers had invited me to come and strike the wand. <laughs> Y'all know what striking the wand is? In other words, grab this senator and throw him out of the bed and throw him against the wall and make him live. And so we got in there and uh, what I'm talking about is how quick God can give you some revelation. You know what I mean? And he's going to speak. If you're sincere, God's going to show you something. And it ain't going to take 40 years to get it. If you hadn't been receiving an answer, you need to make some adjustments on the way you're praying and things you're doing. And if you don't know, then ask the Lord. Lord, show me. Just admit it to him. Lord, I haven't heard anything. I haven't received anything here. Things don't seem to be working. And I'm not talking about going around making negative confessions, but just admitting the truth. That's what Dad Hagen did. He just admitted what we're doing is not working. But we walked into this place. And they lived on, I don't know how you measure land up here, but there they had a hunt over, it was actually a 100 acre palatial estate. You know, how would you like to mow that long? <laughs> but it was well manicured. Of course, they got staff help with all this. And they had him in the pool house. And their pool house was bigger than anybody's house here. <laughs> Maybe in two or three houses. You know what I mean? 
It was big. And the palatial mansion stood in front. Then they have an Olympic-sized pool out back. And then they had a pool house out behind that. And that's where they had him. So we walked in. And, uh, of course, they wanted me to come around, you know, and lay hands on him and all that. And I'm for that. I'm for laying hands on folks. But then the Bible says, lay hands suddenly on no man. And if we had time to be led by the Spirit of God, Jesus, can I say this? I know I'm kind of shotgunning, but I didn't know I was going to say any of this. Jesus had 100% success to every person he ministered to that would receive him because he was 100% led by God. When he went to the pool of Bethesda, there were multitudes there. He ministered to one and walked away. He was anointed. We don't do that today. I'm not saying that we have to, but he was led by the Holy Ghost. And he walked away after ministering to that one individual. You know the story, right? So we're in this room, and of course, the ministers I was there with, uh, actually two other ministers I was there with, uh, they started to pray in. And I kind of stood down at the foot of this hospital bed, and they had been treating the senator. They had tried, you know, every lotion and potion known to man, and they was using, uh, you know, I don't know if it was Strickaline, Vaveline, or Maybelline, you know, but anyway, it was... Uh, <laughs> All, all that combined, and then they was doing what they call chelation therapy. In fact, I didn't even know what it was. It's where they put a, a, a needle in your vein, I think. Anybody ever tried that or whatever? But anyway, and they put the vitamins right into your bloodstream. You know what I'm talking about? They called it, I think, is it chelation therapy? Is that the proper name? I don't know. Huh? Huh? Is there a dissension among the camp? <laughs> Listen here, they stuck a needle in his arm and they put vitamins in him, whatever you call that. So, but they were doing it because medical science couldn't help him. And I'm standing down at the foot and you know what I'm doing? I'm looking for a witness inside. Because if the Lord's in this, if the Lord's in this, that man's getting up off that bed. Because I know one thing, he was not coherent enough to exercise his faith. And I'm not even saying he had faith. I don't know this individually, personally. I knew his daughter. I knew his son, but I didn't know him. And I knew the preachers. And I became acquainted with the senator's wife. But I did not know this gentleman. He was elderly, but with his cancer and disease. And so I'm standing there wondering what to do. And the other the ministers started praying, and there's nothing wrong with that. And they're praying and carrying on. And finally, one of the ministers just kind of reached out because it wasn't real far that they were from me, reached out and leaned over and kind of got me by the arm and brought me up there to the, by the head of the bed, you know, and, and, and like, do something, strike the wand here. You know what I mean? You know what I mean, strike the wand. Make something happen here. Well, you can if you're anointed to do it. So I, I, I reached the, the wand out. See, these are actually jumper cables. And that's why I hook them to folks to get them started sometimes. You know what I mean? 
like old dead battery. You hook it with jumper cables, you know. And some folks have dead batteries and need to hook the jumper cables to them, you know. And, but when I laid hands on this gentleman, I'm talking about God speaking and God leading, God guiding, God directing. When I laid hands on him and I started to speak healing, my mouth would not say the word healed. Now, let me put it this. I could have forced myself to say it. You understand? But I was prohibited from speaking that word from my mouth. But the other ministers, wonderful anointed ministers of God, they were declaring and prophesying and saying this is going to happen and that's going to happen and this is going to happen and you're going to be raised up. And I, I said, Lord, I said, these people want me to pray for their healing. And I'm talking to the Lord while all this noise is going on. Hey, these people want me to pray for this man's healing. Their family is standing all around here. Doctors are actually sitting here. They got doctors that's on 24 hours a day sitting with this man. Because they got that kind of money, you know. They got the doctor at the house. <laughs> and I said, Lord, they want me to pray. He said, don't pray for his healing. I said, why? Why, Lord? It's your will. He said, because he's going to die. I said, no. Why is he going to die? He said, because of the way he treated people in his life. And he wouldn't repent of it. Now, the Lord didn't tell me he was going to hell. You understand? He didn't tell me that. I didn't have that privileged information. He said he's been mean to people. He's harmed a lot of people. And he said he's never repented of those things. He's taken advantage of a lot of people in his situation as a senator. As a senator. Yeah. Oh, my God. No wonder our country has the problems it does. Don't laugh at me. I can point your country. <laughs> but the Lord said, he's going to die. But everybody else is prophesying he's going to live. And I knew what was going to happen. There was going to be great hurt. Even though I didn't want to be the bearer of bad news. And I didn't. I kept my mouth shut because they were my elders that were praying there. I considered them to be my elders. But I knew what the Holy Ghost had said to me. So I just prayed a prayer of blessing, you know, and blessing him and blessing the family, you know, and strengthen the family. And that's all I would pray. But they're praying he's going to get up, he's going to live, he's going to walk out of here. Ladies and gentlemen, he did not get up and he did not walk out of there. In fact, he passed away just in a matter of hours after we left with our great prayer. But, see, that's what I'm talking about. We heard from God. I heard from God. I knew it was going to happen because I was waiting for God. And I'm not bragging about that. Everybody should have some kind of sense, and we don't know everything, spiritual sense about them. Dad Hagen, we're getting back to that story. Talking about hearing from God. <clears throat> because when we do what God says do, then things are going to happen. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to point out. Amen. When I'd done what God said to do, the man died. <laughs> and, and it wasn't God's will that the man die. But the man had a choice to make and he didn't make the right choice. Right. 
And again, he didn't tell me he was going to hell. I don't know. I know nothing about the man other than what the Lord said. He's not going to be healed. And he wasn't. But Dad Hagen told the minister that he was in that bedroom that was in that bedroom that had went to get four hours of sleep. He said, you know, he said, I, I've never prayed this long uh, about anything without getting an answer. Several days. He said, at least the Lord would have said yes, no, they're going to die or they're going to get healed or live or something. He said, I believe we're missing it. And he said, I believe where we're missing it at is on the way we're praying. We're praying God send it and bring it to this lady. And he said, uh, we need to change the way we're praying and we need to start working on the receiving end and say, God, what do we need to do to receive the blessing? Because we know it's your will this lady be healed. What do we need to do? You know what I mean? When you hear from God and do what he says, then you're going to receive the blessing that he has for you. So they went back in after four hours of sleep, you know, and they was in there about to pray. And this minister, this preacher that Dad Hagen had told them this, told this to, said to the folks, said, folks, so we start, before we start praying, he said, uh, Brother Hagen shared something with me. And he said, uh, let's just listen to what he says because uh, it don't seem like we're getting through here. He said, uh, Brother Hagen, he said, share with them what you told me. And he told them basically what I've already said. He said, I've never prayed about anything this long without hearing something from God. Yes, no, in between, die or live or whatever. And he said, I believe that we're missing it in the way we're praying. And when he said that, the lady laying on the bed assumed that she, they were talking about her. And so she began to cry and weep. She said, oh, it's me. Oh, I'm so sorry. It's not y'all's fault. And Brother Hagin said, no, sister. Wait a minute, sister. He said, we're not talking about you. It's nothing to do with you. God loves you. You got everything straight in your life. I'm not talking about anything to do with you. He said, I'm talking about the way that we're praying. He said, we're praying for God to heal you. And he said, in the mind of God and according to the word of God, you're already healed. But for some reason, we hadn't been able to receive it for you. He said, what we need to do is quit working on the sending in and start working on the receiving in. Lord, what do we need to do to bring this to pass? Ain't that good word right there? What do we need to do? So they started praying. When they started praying, working on us, Lord, show us what to do, show us what to do. Brother Hagin was standing at the foot of the bed. Remember the story? Brother Hagin was standing at the foot of the bed. And uh, uh, the Holy Ghost spoke to him while they were praying. He said, go stand at the head of the bed. Remember what Dad Hagin said to, to himself and thought, what do I need to go stand at the head of the bed for? He got out of the spirit, got back in the spirit, and the Holy Ghost said again, go stand at the head of the bed. What they're doing, they're praying on and working on the receiving end. So he got in the natural again and he kept standing at the foot of the bed where he was at. Then again, he got back in the spirit and then the Lord spoke to him just real strong, go stand at the head of the bed. So he thought, what have I got to lose? <laughs> you know, what we've been doing is not working. And they were asking God, what do we do, need to do to receive it? So he walks around, which went real far to the head of the bed, stood up by the head of the bed, Mom Hagen was there too. His wife, Miss Aretha Hagen, was there. And she had been kneeling down by the bed. But she stood up. 
And then she spoke in uh, uh, was speaking in other tongues, but he heard her talking in English. And the Holy Ghost spoke through her mouth. And then it came to cast the devil out of her. There was an evil spirit causing that sickness in her body. It don't mean she was possessed, because she's a Christian, you understand. But an evil spirit was what was causing that sickness. So it wasn't healing that she needed. She needed that devil to leave her. But had they not changed the way they were praying, they could have prayed healing till she died. Because it wasn't a healing, it was a devil, even though healing's involved. Until that demon was made to leave, it wasn't going to change. So Dan Hagen just spoke out what the Holy Ghost said, said, come out of her. You know, you so-and-so devil. And he told him exactly what to say and what kind of devil it was. And he said, that thing just come right up out of her chest. Remember, she's not possessed. She's a good Christian lady. But it's evil spirits sometimes cause these things. And that thing come up, went right by Brother Hagin and went right by that other preacher that Brother Hagin had been talking to and flew out the window. And that preacher spoke up and said, it went right by me. It went right by me. Right by me. The preacher didn't see anything, but he sensed it. But Dad Hagen saw it. He saw that spirit come up, come out of her, fly across the room, and go out of that window. That lady got up out of that bed, marched through the house, hands raised, praising God, and went outside that afternoon and ate good Georgia watermelon. <laughs> it might have been Texas watermelon. Totally healed. Why? Because they started working on the receiving end instead of the sending end. Folks, we've been working on the sending end about the glory. We've been praying, God, send the glory. Oh, Lord, send the power just now. Oh, Lord, send the power just now. You remember that? You used to sing it. Old time Pentecost. He ain't going to send it. He is, but he ain't. Not the way we've been trying to get it. Because he already wants to send it and give it more than we want it. The problem is not with God. Forgive me for having to tell you this. The problem has been with the church. We haven't been ready to receive it. The church as a whole has been too irreverent, irresponsible, disrespectful to the Holy Ghost, and he's not going to give his glory until we make some adjustments uh, down here. So we are in now at different stages. Everybody's at different stages. But the body of Christ as a whole, anybody that can hear God, this is what the Holy Ghost is saying. It's a time of preparation. It's a time of separation. Separating yourself from anything that would hinder you from receiving the glory of God. Preparing yourself. Isn't that right? And what he's been doing is talking to us to prepare ourselves. So we've been working on the sending in. God, he's, it's, it's right there. It's available to us. In fact, it's 3,000 feet. I don't know how many, what do you call it? Meters? How, many, how much is 1,000 feet in meters? 
Huh? 350. 350. Multiply that times three. That'd be 900. Thousand and fifty? Is that a thousand? Huh? One kilometer. About one kilometer for three thousand feet. About one kilometer. He got me. About one click. Y'all know what a click is? On the scope. Click. <laughs> one kilometer. God is just one kilometer away from the church right now. He's hovering, but we've been working on the sending in. God send it. When we need to reverse our praying, change our praying, and said, God, what do we need to do to receive it? Yes. First Corinthians chapter 2. My Lord. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. See, Brother Randy, we've, we've covered some of these things already. I know, but faith comes by hearing and hearing. The Lord's encouraging us. Reinforcing what he said. We'll just read verse 14 for the sake of time because we've read other scriptures in this chapter earlier in this meeting. You can go back and get the recordings. The church has them right here. But uh, it says, verse 14, but the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Why? For they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. What I just said may seem foolish to somebody. But I'm here to tell you, what I just said was spiritually discerned. It wasn't something I thought up. It wasn't something necessarily I meditated up. It was revelation knowledge that came to me by the Holy Ghost to give direction to the church. Direction to the church. Why? Because ready or not, here he comes. I'm telling you, the glory is coming for those that prepare for it. That don't mean that everybody is, but he's given us instructions of what to do to receive the glory because it must come to pass. It must come to pass. Natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God for they're foolish unto him, neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. You don't, don't find out these things in the natural. Because remember, I've been going along in the natural for years. I'm not getting on anybody else. I'm talking about myself. I mean, I didn't know I was missing it. I didn't know I, I was, you know, praying wrong. I didn't know that, you know, I'm praying God send the power. I mean, I send the glory. Lord, I pray that you'll pour out your glory, Lord. Pour out your spirit upon all the earth, Lord. Pray it, pour it out. Well, I prayed this way for years. I think the church has prayed this way for years. And until the Lord showed me that I was praying wrong, then I, uh, you know, I, did, I was doing it wrong. I was wrong. Why? Because I'm trying to get the Lord to send it. He's already sent it. It's a kilometer away. But he's getting me ready by preparing me for the glory that he has for us. Woo! So I made adjustments, and I'm still making adjustments because not only did he tell me that, he told me some other things. And if you've been listening to him, he's talked to you too and shared with you some things. That don't mean we get them done overnight. That's why he's patient with us. That's why his grace and mercy is there to help us. Isn't that right? So by popular demand of the audience here tonight, they want me to turn back to Exodus 33. 
Because we look, remember, at the Old Testament for spiritual principles that has a New Testament application. That's what we do. We don't live under the ceremonial law. But there are principles and ways that God dealt with his people in the Old Testament. The principles are still applicable to us today. The Bible says that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God always works according to principles, patterns, and plans. It's not helter-skelter. He always works according to principles, patterns, and plans. Find principles of way God moved and patterns of way God moves and things that God has planned and you begin to implement those strategies in your life and you're lining yourself up for a miracle. Because you begin to participate with our Holy Father God. Aren't you glad about it? I am too. I remember, and we discovered that God did not kill them all because we were talking about that in Exodus chapter 32, then we got to 33. And, but remember, the children of Israel had sinned because they had brought the bull in the camp and his name was Apis. And the people, pastor taught us this, and so that means that everybody that worshipped him was apes because they were Apis. You know what I mean? He <laughs> had to be an ape to worship something and call it the creator. They was calling this thing the creator. Remember he taught us. The creator of the world of the heavens and earth. They were out of their doggone mind. Out of their mind. So they had disappointed God. And remember God told Moses, you better get down. He said, them people you brought up. <laughs> he didn't say it just that way, but I mean, it's implied that way. You go down there, because those, those people you brought up out of the land of Egypt, they done down there and they're sinned. You get down there. And then he said, uh, I might just kill them all. That's what I'll do. I'll just kill them all. I'll make of you a great nation. I'll scrub them all out. I'm just country talking for city folks, but I'm just telling you that's what he said. In other words, it so was an affront to God for them to call this bull the creator of the heavens and earth and worship this thing and say, this is what brought us out of the land of Egypt, but not only that, the creator of the whole world. And they brought that out of Egypt, correct? That was the Egyptian, one of the Egyptian gods. And they believed that. So they were trying to go back to the world of where they had been in captivity for 430 years. The problem with the church world as a whole, and I know this is Christmas, but let me tell you the truth. The problem was the church world as a whole is they've gone back to Egypt too much. And they're trying to identify with things of the past in order to go on with God in the future and it's not going to work that way. We can't identify with Egypt. We can't identify with the world. We can't bring false gods and idols into our lives. And there's a lot of things in that that you could get involved in. I mean, and preach about. But when uh, Moses interceded for him, in verse 7 of Exodus 33, we'll just pick up there. Reiterating. Remember, we told you about reiterating. At, in verse 7 of Exodus 33. And Moses took the tabernacle and pitched it without the camp, <coughs> afar off from the camp, 
and called it the tabernacle of the congregation. And it came to pass that everyone which sought the Lord went out into the tabernacle of the congregation, which was without the camp. The reason he took it and pitched it without the camp, about one kilometer, in your terminology, about 3,000 feet in U.S. terminology, about 3,000 feet, took it outside is because God used to dwell in the camp with them. But he said, if I come in the camp with you, I'll consume you because of your disobedience. And it wasn't, remember, that God did not love them, but him being in their presence in the condition they were, if they didn't repent, they would die in that day. And it would be over. So they took the tabernacle outside the camp because God said, I'm not going in that camp. I said, God said, I'm not going in. Oh, God. Oh, God. And that's why God does not go in certain churches. He said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. He's outside the camp. He wants to come in, but he can't come in among it because he cannot operate where there's flesh, where there's idols, where the bull of the world is at. He cannot come in. If we put everything ahead of God and put him last, it's just like these children of Israel that was worshiping this idol, this bull. It says here in verse 8, And it came to pass when Moses went out into the tabernacle that all the people rose up. Notice the people rose up. They stood to attention. They begin to pay attention. They're going to see what Moses is going to do because God won't come into camp. They was used to him being there with them. They wanted him there, but he was out there. They looked longingly at the tabernacle. No doubt that was probably, I'm guesstimating, it don't say, but I'm guesstimating there was probably a lot of fear because they respected God in that day. Because you didn't get away with a lot of things in that day like you do in this dispensation of grace today. There's more mercy and grace. You can get away with things. But back in those days, you could become a crispy critter quick. In fact, we found out that God waxed hot. So he made candles out of human beings. (laughs) And then we found out also he operated salt factories. Pastor taught us that. Isn't that right? In the Old Testament. (laughs) Because Lot's wife turned to a pillar of salt. Isn't that right? So you just didn't get away with everything. So they were looking longly, in my opinion. They were wanting God to come back. And they wondered what God was going to do. Came to pass, verse 8, when Moses went out into the tabernacle, all the people rose up and stood every man at his tent door and looked after Moses until he was gone into the tabernacle. They're looking. They're watching. What's going to happen now? What's he going to tell God? Is he going to talk God into coming back in here with us? Hopefully he will. They were remorseful. They were repentant. They were saddened when they realized how much they had disobeyed God. You know what's sadder than disobeying God? Not repenting when you realized you've disobeyed God. Not making adjustments. 
when you make the adjustments and invite God in. So they're going out there, no doubt, with the hope that maybe Moses can convince God to come back. Because they probably thought about the Egyptians and Pharaoh's chariots that chased them up to the Red Sea and how all of them were going to die. And they were standing there at the Red Sea and they realized that the God that we disobeyed, the God we disrespected, told Moses, hold up your rod. Isn't that right? Stretch it forth. And the Red Sea parted and the ground became so dry they could take wagon wheels and ride across it. And he took them to the other side with the enemy tearing down behind them. And then when they carefully, successfully got to the other side, all of God's children and the Egyptian army was right on them, about to kill them and destroy them. God told the angel, let it go, boys. <laughs> and here come the water. I seen, I don't know. I seen where somebody's been doing some research over there and said they found chariot wheels down there. Did you see into that? <laughs> Woo-wee! No doubt they remembered if God had not been with them, they'd all been dead. Their children, their babies, their toddlers, granny, granddaddy, mom and daddy, brothers and sisters, they'd have been dead. I'm sure there was some kind of act of repentance and remembrance going on as they was watching Moses going outside the camp because God wouldn't come into where they were at because if he did, he'd kill them. He'd consume them because of their disobedience. And it wasn't that God wanted to kill them in a sense. I mean, he did one time. <laughs> but they could not come in the presence of a holy God. I'm glad you're excited about it. Yes, sir. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God is a good God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I tell you, I just saw it. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. It will be so glorious. Now, what I just saw is I saw, I, I don't know how to describe it because spiritual things are hard to describe. But I just had a spiritual vision and I saw a ball of fire. Now it wasn't a ball. It was like a long piece of fire that come from heaven and it did not stop till it got to the earth. And you could see it. It was like a ladder. You know, it would stretch out in the building. But I saw it hit and then spread. And everywhere it went, it said everything on fire. He said, I'll baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. We've had the Holy Ghost, but it's time for the fire. <laughs> Woo! I'm telling you, it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. And I'll tell you when he comes. It's going to feel so good. You're going to feel like that you're going to be taken out of here. 
And the fire will get so hot, I'm going to tell you in advance uh, that you're going to have to ask the Lord to turn it down. Woo-hoo! Turn it down. He said, Brother Randy, I've never had the anointing where I had to turn it down. Well, get ready for it. I've been there where I, my physical body could not stand no more of the anointing and that fire is about to fall. Now, when you see in the realm of the spirit, it's hard to put times on things, you know. But I know it's the results of us making this change, making this adjustment. The fire is going to fall. Cloven tongues appeared to them like as a fire in the upper room. But what I saw was not, oh, glory, it wasn't just a cloven tongue. It was a pillar of fire. That's it. It was a pillar of fire. That's what it was. Remember, it was a pillar of fire by day, a pillar of fire by night, and a cloud by day. Whoo! I saw the fire. I saw the fire. So this preparation we're in, it's not wasted. Bible says for the joy that was set before Jesus, he endured the cross. Because I'm, I'm telling you, can I tell you as easy as I can? He's going to require us to take up our cross and walk up to Golgotha. <laughs> to walk up to Golgotha and say, Lord, here I am. Everything of the flesh has got to be crucified. And uh, let's balance that out. There's a balance in everything. That doesn't mean that God's mercy and grace won't help us. And that doesn't mean that we're going to have to be absolutely perfect. But we need to be pressing in. Oh, but all oh, the rewards are so great. So wonderful. It's just right over there. I remember. Can I tell you about an experience? You know, I used to uh, have a different career path for those of you that don't, don't know. I had a different career path. I was running from the call of God on my life. You know why? Because God didn't want me to preach, I found out. He did, but he didn't. God wanted me. And I wanted me more than I wanted God to have me. I wanted to do my thing, not God's thing. The Bible says many are called, but few are chosen. Just because you sense a call or anybody doesn't mean necessarily we're chosen. We qualify for it. But I remember on my third escape from prison. Y'all remember that, don't you? Down in Galveston, Texas on Seawall Boulevard. Y'all remember that? First week of May of 1982. I had a supernatural encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. I was headed to hell as happy as I could be because I didn't have any better sense. It's out of my mind. But when Jesus showed up on the old roadside, in fact, we was going to commit a crime. Me and two more people was going to commit a crime that day. 
And just a short time. In fact, if I'd have turned in another direction, I turned right instead of turning left. If I'd have turned left, we'd have went to commit a crime. But I turned right. And the Holy Ghost showed up in this vehicle I was in. And I turned my life over to the Lord. I turned myself into the police authorities there in Galveston, Texas. I was on escape from the Alabama state prison system. I'd been on escape that time for almost a year. 11 months and some days. I had escaped from prison three times. I had a pastor ask me down in Michigan years ago. I said, Brother Randy, why in the world did you escape from prison three times? I said, Pastor, I said, I didn't get it right the first time. <laughs> I didn't get it right the, the second time. But I finally got away the third time. Well, we might not have gotten everything right, but we're on a journey to get it right now. But I received the Lord, turned myself into the authorities, went back to the state prison system. They put me in a life without parole prison because there in the United States, in fact, at that time, they had uh, uh, the death law. If you committed a certain crime, uh, you know, type, what they call felonies, of a certain class, then you could get the death penalty. And back in that day, it was death by electrocution. They would put you in this electrical chair, strap you in, and turn the volts on, and it would kill you just instantly, you know. Of course, now they still, some states, not all, uh, have that law, but now it's death by lethal injection in, down there. But anyway, I hadn't got quite that far for them to strap me into old Sparky yet, you know. That's what the convicts called it. I'm, I'm just telling you, they called it old Sparky. And so, but I was in the prison where old Sparky was at. Death row, the electric chair, all the people that went to what they called death row. When you were sentenced to death, you went to this prison that I was at. You was at the bottom of the line of the prison society. You couldn't be no lower down than that. In fact, I was lower down than a snake's belly and a wagon's rut. Somebody better wake up, Leroy. I'm there. He, he never heard nothing like that. You know what I'm talking about? Ask church members, I can tell you. But I'm here to tell you. I had been on a journey to fulfill my desires, my needs. But behind them prison bars, when there's no hope, there's no help, and you're facing life without the possibility of parole, never being a free person again. You can get serious, and I did. Y'all remember Larry? Oh, Larry that slept in the cell with me. He had a bed over here, and I was over here. Y'all remember him? Oh, 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 Larry. He had freckles on his face, you know. Real jolly kind of. He was being him. I don't need to teach y'all all this stuff. I'm trying to be spiritual. But me and him, he, he took care of the prison horses and me and him actually saddled up horses and rode them out to prison. <laughs> Roy Rogers ain't never seen nothing like us. I'm here to tell you. Right through the prison gate. But he knew how to do it. He knew how to signal. He did it. We had the uniforms, everything. They thought we were correctional officers.
one of these days when I come up here, I'm just going to share my whole testimony. It, it, it will give you a free permanent wave. <laughs> I mean, from start to finish. <laughs> Maybe like I used to do it at Brother Higgins' camp meeting. My Lord, I used to preach a lot, you know, tell its story. But, but anyway, when I, when I got down desperate, desperate people will do desperate things. When the church becomes desperate enough, we'll have the glory. As long as you can live without the glory, you will. I can't live without it no more. I made that decision. You can ask my son, ask my wife, ask my office folks. I've been locking myself up in the upper room. That's what I call it, you know. It's got a balcony so I can stand out there and give a soliloquy. Is that how you say it? Soliloquy? How you pronounce those big words? Is that, what are you, huh? There you go. She's got an interpretation. We tongues and interpretation in this church. Romeo, Romeo. Wherefore? I'll tell Chris because he's downstairs. I'll, Chris, I want to give you a soliloquy. <laughs> Step out, let me get on my balcony. But I, I get up there and just put myself in that room and just go, go from room to room, kneeling down on my knees, praying, saying, God, and I come to a place of, of brokenness, and you will too. What I mean by brokenness, it's not the Lord beating you down. But it's something about his love coming into you. And you're giving yourself totally to him. Completely to him. He'll bless you beyond your wildest imaginations. I mean, the way it works for me, I just get to squalling. Squalling's different than crying, you know. Crying's where you can get your breath. Squalling where you get your breath every now and then. Not because the Lord's mad at me, because he's so pleased. So desperate people do desperate things. Again, as long as we, the church, can live without the glory, we will. In prison, I became desperate. I'm trying to read more scriptures and you keep dragging me back. You know how you are, remember? But the Lord's getting some things to us, you know. In prison, I became desperate. And uh, I said, God, I said, I, I've disobeyed you. Because I sensed, you know, and, and my mama always said this too. She said, you was different than any child I had. She said, I, I didn't know. She said, even though you was a scoundrel. And she said, I cried many tears at night and sometimes prayed all night long. Laying in the floor, weeping and crying. She said, and you broke my heart so many times. She wouldn't tell me this in a bad way. But I knew there was something different about you out of all my children. I knew God has had his hand on your life, especially. And that's why you was having all those troubles. Not long ago. Well, it's been a little while ago. And she's not one to have a lot of visions or revelations. She said, 
Randy. And she started crying. She couldn't talk. She's 84. Then she can talk good, don't get me wrong, but she was in the spirit. And she started crying. And she said, the Lord spoke to me because I was praying about you. And said, you tell him. He's been reaching hundreds. But he's going to reach thousands. And he's going to reach millions. And she began to weep. Now, that only happens when I'm, excuse me to say it this way, dead enough for it to happen. You know what I mean? Because if you want notoriety and fame and fortune, the enemy will set you up. So in that prison, down there, when I turned myself in, I went back, I got serious about God. And I started fasting, I started praying, I started seeking God. And I remember April the 5th, you remember April the 5th, 1984? You remember that? You do? You know how old I was then that day? I turned 30 years old that day. Right now, they tell me I'm 65, but don't believe it. <laughs> I don't look like it, do I? <laughs> I don't look like it. <clears throat> but I started seeking God. And I, when I pay, say I, I don't want you to take that the wrong way. I'm not taking credit for anything. God gave me the ability because I had to fight my flesh. Crucified would be the better way to say it. But I just started seeking him. And I'd been seeking him for some time. And, and uh, in fact, when I got out of prison, you want to know what I weighed? I weighed 165 pounds. And I'm six foot four. Because I didn't know how to fast. I just wanted God. Said, Brother Randy, you coming back to 165? <laughs> Brother Hagen used to say, those days are gone forever. I don't <laughs> remember that. He'd say that. And, and it's not just about the fasting. It, it was about me because I didn't know, but I was just hungry for God. April the 5th, 1984. Out behind B Block. And, you, and, and if you turned and faced south, which way is south around here? That way? Y'all messed up. I mean, that'd be south. So that'd be north. If that'd be north, then that would be east. And that would be west. Airplane. <laughs> Got to know where you're at. So I turned from that old B block and I was out there just worshiping God. Everybody else was in the chow hall. Most everybody, the chow hall is where you eat at, you know. But I was just skipping that. And April the 5th, 1984, I turned 30 years old that day. And suddenly, it was like heaven opened up over that prison. So if you want this to happen, you've got to be in prison you got to be <laughs> you've got to be behind B, B block and you need to be safe facing south 
said, Brother Randy, I don't think I want it that bad. But anyway. <laughs> no, I believe it would happen anywhere we're at, wherever you're at. But suddenly the glory of God came down on me. I mean, his anointing like I had never sensed it before came down on me. Because I had been wondering, am I getting anywhere? Because there were times that I was praying, literally, not to brag or nothing, but 10 hours a day. Because I had time on my side. <laughs> I was doing time. And I'm not saying you got to pray 10 hours a day. You understand? I'm not saying that. But I kept, the scripture kept coming to me about redeeming the time. Because you know the days are evil. Redeem the time. Well, I had a lot of time that I needed to redeem. <laughs> I was doing time, they called it. But the heavens opened over that place and an anointing came down on me and I began to weep. I began to cry with the joy of the Lord as it came upon me. That day, April the 5th, 1984, I turned 30 years old and I stepped into the first phase of my ministry. I'd been in, uh, preaching prior to that. You know, there in the prison. But that was the first phase of our ministry started right then. And he said, the Lord said to me, audibly to me, he said, I'm anointing you today to begin to enter into the ministry that I have called you to. And nations and countries shall be changed. Amen. When he said that, it was like an extra burst of the anointing came on me. I fell up against old B block, which is made out of concrete blocks, up against the wall, and I started sliding down to the ground because I was overwhelmed by the power of God. Overwhelmed with it. And so there was a little bucket there. That was our recliners, you know. There was a little gallon bucket, and I, I just sat down on that gallon bucket. And you talking about the glory. From that day forward, the glory broke out in that prison. And then that little convict church broke loose from 11. Actually, we had 10. And then we, that day, we ca I cast out the first devil. Remember out of Robert? Yes, yes. Cast the first devil out that I'd ever cast out. And it started a wave of revival in that prison. Ladies and gentlemen, that's what we're going to see on a much, much larger scale as we give ourselves to God. Over Satan, we're going to prevail. <clears throat> you can just go ahead and start confessing every now and then. I cast out devils in Jesus' name. The first sign that's going to follow the believer is that they're going to cast out devils. You have authority over him. Every now and then remind yourself of it. But that anointing, that glory came upon me that day. And if the anointing ever wanes, just what Jesus told Brother Hagin, if the anointing ever wanes, he said, fast and pray a little bit. And he said, it'll come back. Now, this is not a popular message today. But it's a godly message. How about that? May not be popular, but it's godly. So what we're doing is we're preparing. And he wants to, us to be desperate enough to do what it takes to have his glory among us. 
as long as you can live without the glory, you will. As long as you can put up with yourself and the church the way it is, you will. But when you become desperate, when you become determined that I'm ready and willing to do anything that God wants me to do in order to see this come to pass, I'm willing to do it. Are you willing to be willing? That's what I encourage you to do. If you can't do anything else, just pray and tell the Lord, I'm willing to be willing. Because he'll help you. He'll encourage you. And his anointing will come upon you. Because in this move, God's going to use a lot of people. I'm telling you, a lot of people. And I know that we are going to be, notice I said we, and we got some watching too, and others that may, may not be watching, may not be with us, but we are going to be right in the middle of this last day in time move of God. Amen. Dad Hagen, not that we're led by prophecies, but prophecies uh, by the Holy Ghost. Paul told Timothy to the war, a good warfare, by the prophecies that went before on him. Dad Hagen prophesied to me more than once that I would be right in the middle of the last day in time move of God. But just because it's prophesied and it's God's will and it's God's plan, it doesn't mean it's going to happen unless I cooperate with him. But it's the same with anybody. So what are we doing? We're pressing into it. This church is marching on. This church is headed in a direction. This church is hungry for God. And we're going on with God and nothing is going to stop us. Amen. Your pastors are on a journey. They keep preaching me happy. I'm encouraged. Are you encouraged? I'm strengthened. Are you strengthened? For the joy that was set before him. And there is a joy that's set before us. We're going on. We're going to take up our cross and we are going to follow him. Yes. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you for the anointing of God that's been released in the encouraging words that you've given to us. Hey Lord, I thank you for every person under the sound of my voice. Father, they said that they're willing to be willing. And so I ask you now to begin to work in each and every heart, in each and every life. So they will walk in the fullness of what you have for them. Say this with me or repeat this after me and let your heart agree with it. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I commit, dedicate, and consecrate myself unto you. I am willing to be willing. I want your will. I want your glory. Thank you, Father, for leading me in the paths of righteousness for your namesake. So from this day forward, I'll seek your face on a higher level in a higher way and I thank you 
that I will receive that that you promised unto me. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, Father, I invoke and speak a very special blessing over every individual under the sound of my voice. And I thank you that impartations of the Holy Ghost are being granted and given unto them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name.